Are you ready for a reboot? Welcome to the Sheila Mack Show, reality at its finest. History reminds us those hit hardest often become the change makers. This year, we've all hit crazy economic, social, and emotional rock bottoms. We all get knocked down. Something hits globally, locally, personally. It affects our health, finances, our relationships. We have to recreate a business or career. Each show, Sheila and her special guest will be sharing their reboot stories, guiding you with real solutions to upgrade and up-level emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, and financially. Here on NBC's KCAA Radio, Mondays at 1 and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Pacific Time. If you're ready to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and bra straps, enjoy a listen. Here's Sheila. Are you ready for a reboot? Welcome to the Sheila Mack Show, reality at its finest. History reminds us those hit hardest often become the change makers. This year, we've all hit crazy economic, social, and emotional rock bottoms. We all get knocked down. Something hits globally, locally, personally. It affects our health, finances, our relationships. We have to recreate a business or career. Each show, Sheila and her special guest will be sharing their reboot stories, guiding you with real solutions to upgrade and up-level emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, and financially. Here on NBC's KCAA Radio, Mondays at 1 and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Pacific Time. If you're ready to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and bra straps, enjoy a listen. Here's Sheila. Welcome to the Sheila Mack Show, reality at its finest. Here we have real people sharing real stories and actionable steps to help you reinvent, rebuild, and reboot your business and personal life on your terms. I'm your host, Sheila Mack, and today we have special guest Tom Cronin. Tom is a co-creator of the Portal Movie and Book and is leading a global movement to inspire one billion people to meditate daily. That's something we need right now, Tom. And his work is transformational. He's transformational leadership and stress management through meditation that takes him around the world as a speaker and corporate trainer, presenting keynote talks, hosting retreats, and holding corporate training sessions. Before we get started on today's show, we're going to take a quick moment to look at the trailer for the new movie, The Portal. Here we go. This is a very unique time because almost every single global crisis on the planet is a human-generated problem. It's a system that's destabilizing. Is there a way through this? And it can either phase shift up to a higher level of order and organization, or it can phase shift down. Intelligence will summon the demon. Habitable planet? One of those is eminent. There's a worldwide epidemic of not seeing the beauty of what it is to be a human being. I want to understand more about happiness. The state of consciousness we're in collectively, it's a distraction. And the simple truth is killing us. We don't have to continue things that we've inherited from the past if they don't work for us. Human beings who make mistakes. But you may only need one generation before you transform the world. 
I started wondering, I think I'm ready for a change. But the biggest bottleneck in the creation of tools that can deeply support transformation and healing on the planet is the state of mind of the creators. You know, right now, many people don't even know that their inner space exists. That's what's missing for people. I realize that it helps you to turn the page and live your life. I didn't see a way out. Have you ever killed somebody? Have you ever watched your body? And it allows you to see clearly the things you need to see clearly the most. I was so focused on having money, control. I missed the most important part. All you got, Heads, all you got! I want to learn to understand people better. If you're given the opportunity to make the world a better place, say yes, I'm gonna do this. Bring it. So welcome to the show, Tom. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yes, and I'd like to start the show. This is based on my, the show is based on my new best-selling book, Bootstraps and Bra Straps, the formula to go from rock bottom back into action in any situation. And this last year we just had, we have had every situation show up globally. So I'd love to ask you maybe about a time in your business or personal life where you hit a tough situation and how you got back on track. Yeah, wow. I, I, you know, I've got a film coming out, The Portal, and it's a big project. We had investors and we had a long-term vision to make something really significant in the space of film and a book. And what was happening was we brought on a director who kind of started with the idea of this vision and kind of there was some level of alignment, but we gave them a lot of autonomy and they basically took the project on and made a project, made a film that really didn't land anywhere near where we wanted it to. And mm. it was very, very confronting, very challenging because it was like so far from what we actually wanted to to create. And so there we were staring down this like product that we like didn't feel aligned with and we'd spent a lot of money on that. We didn't feel we could work with it or use it and we had to start from scratch. So that was a very confronting and very challenging time to have blown most of our budget on the project that we weren't going to be able to use, have no director, no writer, and investors, you know, wondering what the heck's going on. And it really challenged me in a big way because, you know, uh, it brought up a lot of things about my personality traits of wanting to please people and do the best job and make sure that I do things perfectly and here I was really failing at this particular project. And I was experiencing some degree of overwhelm about that, uh, really feeling lost. I didn't know how to find my way out of this. It was really like a really sort of rock bottom type scenario. However, what came to me was that we were making a film about meditation and not having stress. And here I am living and breathing the, this problem. Yes. And so I thought, okay, well, all solutions lie in the field of possibility. Mm-hmm. and I was trying to think my way out of it. And I thought, no, I can't think my way out of this. Let's just meditate and get into the quietness of being and let it come to me through that space. So I spent a lot of time meditating. It's like, you know, you're talk- talking about using meditation as a tool mm-hmm. to help solve problems on the planet. Well, you've got a problem, live and breathe what you're talking about. So I did a lot of meditating 
And then one night at two in the morning, I woke up where my mind was obviously in quite a deep space during sleep. I, I, it just came to me in this sort of waking state as I just came out of sleep, this idea for the film. And so I literally got out of my bed at two in the morning. I turned on my phone, which is normally an airplane mode, and I started writing into my notes. And it's still in my notes, just this sort of dot point outline of what the film would be like. And then the next morning I rang the residual members of the team and said, look, I I think I've got the idea for the film and this is what I think it could be. And everyone went, wow, that's brilliant. That's that's it. And so then we set about putting the wheels in motion and with the remaining budget we ended up making what I think is a really great film. So one of the things that I took from that was just that the the solution was there, but I did, I couldn't find it when I was trying to, you know, in a stress state, think of it. But when I started to de-excite my mind and get out of the stress state and tap into the field of all possibility, all creative potential, then it just naturally started to come to me. And, uh, and we managed to find our way through that, which is very liberating. Wow, that's beautiful. It's almost like you gifted yourself the the film and the book and the concepts beforehand because you needed it at a mm. date and then you had it and you're like oh here it is yeah <laughs> absolutely guidebook and you know I I seem to have done the same thing with mine uh, I wrote my book and then after going through a lot of ups and downs and and helping many clients and then I lost my youngest son to a heart condition last year and put the book on hold and and i had to go through my own and of course it's a it's a lifelong thing but i had to go through my own rock bottom again and i was like wow i wrote this for me i i thought i wrote it for everybody else and i really did but but i mean it was like my soul kind of guided me to that or something it was part of what i needed in in the future (laughs) that's now the past but but it's something that happens and I think that during tough times like this last year that hit everyone listening in, that we find out who we really are and we we find our strengths and our tools and ways to cope. We also find out who we need to change about ourselves, maybe the parts that we still need to do some work on. And we all have that as as well. So I know for me that I had a lots of things show up <laughs> that that was needed a lot of meditation as well. So, yes. Yeah, you know, when we can trust deeply deeply trust, not egoically, intellectually, but just really deeply trust that this process whatever it is that we're in is so beautifully and perfectly designed for our our waking up, our our evolution for oh. our progress and obviously a lot of the times we tend to distrust that process and we fall prey to victim and um, all sorts of um, negative relationships with the circumstances around us. And some of them are very, very challenging, no question about it, particularly last year and what I would imagine is going to be this year as well. Um, And the analogy I use is I I was just with some coaching clients a minute ago is um, it's like, you know, we're in, san diego and we want to set sail and make our way to tahiti and we've got a starting point we've got an end point of where we want to get to in life and so we start our journey and we've created our navigational route but what appears along the way is something that we didn't expect or plan which will be something outside of our own intention our intention is to go from san diego to tahiti but a big storm cell looks like it's emerging directly in line of our route and so 
we can do one of two things. We can say, well, this is the way I'm going and this is what I've got to do and this is how I've got to do it and I'm going to go straight through that storm cell, which would be quite tumultuous if not lethal. Mm-hmm. Or we can go, well, look, I can see something emerging that I didn't quite expect and I'm going to be very adaptable. And as they say, what is it, survival of the species is the most adaptable, yeah. something like that. Um, and so I'm going to detour a 500-kilometer detour around that storm cell and uh, make a longer route, but I'm going to continue on with my destination to Tahiti. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, along the way, as I make that detour, I might go, hey, this is really frustrating that I'm having to make this detour, or, hey, we're getting close to Fiji. Maybe why don't we check out Fiji while we're here? Next thing we go to Fiji, and when we're in Fiji, someone says, hey, look, I'm uh, you know hanging out in this cafe. I'm looking to build a health resort. Maybe you want to be the manager or collaborate with me on building and you're like next thing Tahiti was like yeah maybe we'll go to Tahiti but hey let's just check out what's happening in Fiji and be open to the possibility of something magical happening in the detour mm-hmm. and knowing that wherever we end up it's going to be okay yes it's almost kind of what comes to me the word that keeps coming to me is surrendering mm-hmm. to what is and then letting that guidedness show up and listening allowing yeah. things to unfold instead of trying to force through the storm. It has to be this way. (laughs) It has to be whatever. And it's okay. It's okay if you have to put something on hold for a while. That doesn't mean it's over. That that sometimes a course correction in life, it brings you to to Fiji and to the best thing ever that you didn't expect. And so that that's something that, you know, we I think maybe in the U.S. more than anywhere, I'm not sure, but at least what I know is that we're, we're so used to having everything we mm-hmm. want and in a second and the, you know, the way we want it. <laughs> and so to have to like go on this universal pause and take a moment and take a breath is, is almost like it was needed. It was really, I mean, for my family and I, we really needed the pause this year after all we went through and it was a gift. We, we looked at it as a huge gift and something we needed. We didn't even know that we needed to slow down as much as we did until a few months into slowing down that we realized how fast we were going. If that yeah. makes sense. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, for us, the film was supposed to come out two years after inception, which was, you know, probably around 2014, 2015. And um, it's interesting that it's had this long delay because of a number of particular circumstances. However, as it's getting closer and closer to releasing, it's becoming more and more relevant because of the time that we're entering into, um, which speaks about crisis. The film speaks about crisis and how to move through crisis. And you know, in 2014 and 2015, we didn't really have the type of crisis that we're facing now. So it was less relevant. And so a lot of the time, these events can be beautifully orchestrated to facilitate whatever the intention that we planted to actually realize itself fully. And, you know, if we're exhausted and tired and the universe sends us uh, a, a cue to take time out and rest, then then, you know, we've got to listen to these cues and really listen to what's unfolding in front of us and be adaptable with that and and take it on. Now, since this has all happened and you have this goal of reaching a billion people and helping a billion people 
to meditate. How has that shifted with the universal pause in place? How has that changed for you? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I started with that goal in uh, around 2012, 2013. And, uh, it's interesting since then we've seen the stress levels on the planet go through the roof mm-hmm. and to offset the stress levels, we're looking for ways to, to compete with that, you know, to, to offset that. And that's interestingly um, the need of the time is calling for more meditation. The reason why I started with the intention to um, get people to meditate is because rather than trying to make people feel happy or, you know, make people feel healthy what i found was that if people shifted their state of mind if they started to connect into a deeper sense of knowingness about who they are what their body's needs are uh, be free from the coding of their mind about how they're they're indoctrinated to operate in the world but to actually start to listen to truth and wisdom within them then they by default started to live very different lives rather than me trying to change people's lives or trying to change the systems that those people were creating in the world just get them to have a different, you know, mindset, a different way of operating within their mind. Then by default, things would start to change. You know, I, I do a lot of coaching with clients and I won't work with clients unless they're meditating because it's very hard to work with someone with a programmed, coded software that keeps them in this operating system that's in this recurring loop, this pattern. So when we start meditating, we start to disentangle ourselves from the code, from the software, and allows us to start to operate more freely and realize our fuller potential when we start to listen to a deep, deeper level of wisdom and knowingness within inside us. So my inspiration was to really, if I can get more people meditating, by default, we start to have more compassion, we start to have more philanthropy, we start to have more um, interconnectedness, we start to have more heart-centered um, functionality. Mm-hmm. and less dogma, less conditioning, less coding. Yes. And, you know, if you're listening in right now and you're not a meditator, that or it sounds impossible, it takes time and be patient with yourself. If you really want to start this magical process <laughs> and you don't know how, or, you, you know, your doctor even told you, hey, it could lower your blood pressure or whatever. And you've seen all these studies that show how good it is for you, but you don't know how to do it. Give it time and be patient with yourself. I, I know for me, I'm going to confess, when I, I started meditating probably seven or eight years ago, I was in personal development and went to a lot of big events. And I was sent to an event in India and stayed uh, with the monks for a few weeks. And I literally, I was so bad and so type A. I, I confess, this is the truth, that I literally, I had been rear-ended the day before I was supposed to fly to India. And it was on the freeway and I got a note from the doctor and I said, please, I'm going to have to go sit for long periods of time. Just give me a note so that I have to get up every hour. <laughs> because I can't. And, and really, it was more about me not wanting to sit on that mat and meditate than I mean, it was probably for both. But but really, my my intention was I didn't want to sit and meditate for that long because I thought I would go crazy. And it was it was one of the best life-changing things that happened for me. And now, I mean, I meditate in the morning. I meditate before I go to bed. It's, it's something that's become like I do two hours a day 
And that's from somebody that could not <laughs> sit for a minute to meditate years ago. So it's it's a process and it takes time. And there's so much that comes to me for everything I'm doing. Sometimes nothing comes to me, but it, it gives me that peace so that I'm more aware and more productive in the rest of my life and more focused on what matters most instead of everything that comes to you that you're supposed to do. A lot of it doesn't even matter, (laughs) you know, when you look at it in a different way. And so it's really been healing and helpful for me, but that's coming from somebody that never meditated and, and really, I really struggled. I struggled with it. I mean, and the monks knew I, they, they just loved me anyway, but (laughs) it was a, it was a journey. Yeah. And thanks for sharing that. It's so true that it is a journey and that it's important people realize that um, it's not like, you know, you become a great meditator uh, because we're so conditioned to want to be good at what we do and we're measured by how good we are at doing things. So a lot of people will say, I don't know if I'm a good meditator. It's, It's not so much that it's just, are you, do you consider yourself a good toothbrush cleaner good at brushing your teeth and we don't sort of measure ourselves as whether we're good at brushing our teeth or not we just do it every day we do it because it's a part of our natural health and wellness regime and that's what meditation is to me it's part of my um, natural health and wellness regime and it works on so many levels physiological mental emotional and spiritual and it's just something that I do. So it's important people understand that we don't need to do two hours a day. I mean, it's amazing you've got that two-hour day practice, which is phenomenal. Um, for me, I just do 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the afternoon. But even if you just want to do 20 minutes once a day, I mean, that's a great starting point to have some period in your day where you're either either not asleep in an unconscious state mm-hmm. or not absorbing lots of information and reacting and responding to the world. Right. So just have some window of time in your day where you're just pausing and you're allowing a reset, a reset of your body, a reset of your mind, and a reset of your emotional state, then that's going to just continually optimize your your well-being on those on those levels. Uh, and it's it's subtle. It's not, you know, we, we look for very obvious and tangible benefits from things in life, like going for a run or going to the gym. Uh, however, this is quite subtle and it's a, a long, slow burn that just slowly over time, it's a bit like brushing your teeth again, it's very subtle. It's not like Wow, I had an amazing teeth cleaning session today. It was incredible. I felt so good after it. Um, it's not like that. It's just something that just slowly, um, you know, enhances your life on a gradual level. So being less about uh, the outcome of each meditation, more just making a, recognizing that it's an important part of your day. Yes. And, you know, there's all these studies that show when they do these group meditations, how in that area, there's less crime. There's there's so many different studies of the effects that it has beyond the individual and into the world. Into, I mean, I just think of into your home, into your family, into your workspace. When you show up and you've refueled and you've given yourself that time to rest and meditate and, and kind of that, it's kind of like a, a reset, like you were saying, then when you go to work even, or you go to the office, people feel that after I started the meditating practice, I would get people telling me, wow, you're like the calmest person I know. And I was like, me, how is this even, you know, like, cause in my mind, I know me as type A Sheila yeah. <laughs> from the past. And I was like, oh yeah. I am. And I don't get angry like I used to. I mean, there's a, it's a whole different thing 
because you have a place for that. Mm. Like empty and refill. Um, you know, get rid of anything that's not serving and, and refill and and refuel each day instead of carrying all that junk. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's a great clearing process, isn't it? It is. And I mean, to have other people, that was the feedback I started getting over the years. And even with my grown children, I have children back at home now that I have six children. I adopted three um, and three are mine. They're all mine. And so I have two that are back home from they're doing college, um, you know, online college and they're home a lot. And they're like, it's, you know, it's just so peaceful it's really peaceful here. You're so peaceful now. And even they're saying that <laughs> they, they lived with me when they were little and you know, <laughs> running five businesses and everything I was doing back then. And it's, it's a different place. I still do a lot. I still am very productive, but I give myself that time. And it's, I think that before I thought, how could I possibly, even the 20 minutes was impossible. Like you're saying, even if you just have the 20 minutes, it was impossible before. I ha- I don't even have five minutes. How do I have 20 minutes? And I know, you know, it's like even I think Tony Robbins says, if you don't have 20 minutes to give yourself every day, then you got to, you know, you got to change what you're doing. <laughs> You've got to yeah. be able to give yourself the gift of time. Yeah, there's a phenomenon we call it uh, time billionaires. Uh, we become a time billionaire as a meditator. It's a really strange phenomenon that um, the more time we spend well, it's kind of like this sort of balance where by putting some time aside from doing and just allocate that to being, right. simply sitting in being in your meditation, the the doing becomes more potent and it's weird. You become more capable, more effective, more efficient. And I love the quote from Oprah Winfrey, who's uh, an avid meditator. She Her whole company meditates every morning at nine and every afternoon at four for 20 minutes. And she says, it's only from that space can you create your best work and your best life. Mm. And she's talking about that space that's found in meditation. We call it Turiya in Sanskrit. It's a state of being, a state of presence. It's the state beyond the thinking, feeling body that is a deep, quiet watchfulness that is the foundation for activity. We, we, we express activity and action from that space. And as she says, it's that's how you create your best work and your best life. So mm. it's kind of like the analogy I like to use is the tree that grows the roots below the surface that holds the tree upright. And you see a tree that gets toppled over in a storm, you'll find they have a very thin, shallow root base that hasn't uh, dug deep down to hold the tree upright. And so this is what happens to humans that don't have that ability to put time aside to establish being or presence or awareness then we get toppled over very easily. And we've got a very unstable society at the moment, a lot of emotional upheaval, depression, anxiety, overwhelm, insomnia, because we're very, very unstable and thrown around by the world's circumstances without a deep sense of knowingness of who we are. And meditation works on so many different levels, but one of the ones that's really powerful about it is that, as Oprah says, from that space, that space of deep inner knowingness, that deep quiet within us, it's like the, the, I like to use analogies and metaphors a lot, but it's like the depths of the ocean becomes the foundation for the ability for waves to fluctuate. Mm-hmm. And that depth of the ocean is still, it's silent, it's quiet. And it's the same body of water as the crest of the wave. That, that's what we all have within us. We have this surface level of emotional engagement with the world that's being reactive to world circumstances. And sure, sometimes we'll feel good, sometimes we'll feel bad because the world's constantly changing around us. 
But if we can stabilize something deeper than that within us, that deep inner blissfulness and the lightness and the quietness, then we, we have that with us as well as the fluctuations of our emotional feeling body. And that's where we're going to have salvation. It's where we're going to have a sanctuary and an inner peacefulness that can be present during those inconsistencies of life. Yes, that's, it really helped me, you know, the inception of my book was when my house burned down and I lost my cat and my car mm. all in a day. You know? Wow. And it was that's a lot. And I, you know, this was the Ventura, California fires. And I mm. thought, oh, you know, I had finally settled down after traveling for seven beautiful years. I had a great time and learned and helped with a lot of events and did a speaking tour, had a great time. And I, I needed to like, I felt like it was time to just you know, get home again. And, and so I set up this beautiful house and my daughter was going to move over. And then we lost it the day that I was actually going to sleep there for the first time. So I had set everything up perfect. And, and, you know, I ended up living in this 400 square foot. It was a mobile home that I had converted into, um, vacation rentals (laughs) and, and we had a yoga deck and I, I was in the 400 square foot, like cleaning room, with the sink and the, it was like for the, you know, to clean the cleaning supplies and the extra blankets and sheets were there. And that's where I was staying until I got situated again. And I, I had this mantra that came to me through the meditation. I thought in all I'm doing, it's who I'm being. It doesn't matter if I'm living in this shed or living in a mansion or walking my puppies or having fun with my family and friends or cleaning after the, the, rental people, it didn't matter what I was doing. It was who I was being and how I showed up. And it was like, I kept having to tell myself that mantra. And it was like, I lived into that. And I felt very peaceful, despite the all that was going on. And I don't know if maybe the energy of that peace brought me to a lot of beautiful things pretty quickly, because I didn't stay in the state of reaction. Yeah, it's 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 the new way forward for us in creating our lives. We have been indoctrinated with the idea that from a state of lack, if we try really hard and get more things, then we will feel happier. Yeah. And what you started to show us through your story is that um, how can you feel bliss and joy and love and fullness with nothing? Exactly. And when we have the fullness because of the laws of attraction, we start attracting fullness. We start attracting greater experiences. And the irony is that when we're in a state of lack, striving and struggling to try and get more, we're emanating a frequency that will continually reciprocate the idea of lack. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like we have to go through emptiness to get to fullness to attract fullness. You know, it's this incredible thing that when we can experience regardless of what we have, what we're going through, that deep, rich experience of completeness and fullness and wholeness, then interestingly, when we're not needing those things because we're not coming from lack, we start attracting them. Yes. Yes. Think about the irony, right? Yes. I mean, think about relationships even. Mm-hmm. When somebody says, oh, you won't be happy unless you're, or I won't be happy unless I'm in a relationship. Well, can you imagine wanting to be in a relationship where you have to make that other person happy full time? That's <laughs> what a lot of relationships are built on. Yeah. 
a lot of fear, a lot of lack, a lot of responsibility to try and make that person feel complete and happy, which is ultimately not a job that they can fulfill. Nobody can. And the reality is, is that what would attract somebody to another human being would be, oh, look at all that happiness. That's, I want to go and laugh and have fun and what a beautiful life. And let's, let's go have fun and play and travel and do wonderful things and help the world and whatever they're going to do. And it's, it's, but it's who they're being and it's, they've already found happiness and it's just more happiness. It's adding to it. And it's, it's not, the happiness isn't dependent on the place, a home or another person or our political situation, whatever's going on around us that's not our happiness. It's Mm. something we get to own. And when we give it away to somebody else, then who owns our happiness? Yeah. We lose our sovereignty and we're disempowered and we're in a state of uncertainty and inconsistency, which is why we have a lot of fear in our relationships Mm -hmm. because our relationships predominantly, because it's programmed in us through Hollywood and books and, you know, songs by Malcolm Bolton or Marie Carey that say, I can never live without you. And so we keep singing these songs and listening to these songs and watching these movies that uh, are full of pain and wretched torment when someone withdraws their attention from us. Uh, And so we buy into that story that my identity, my fulfilment exists from the consistent attention of another. Mm -hmm. And that's a complete loss of uh, sovereignty and autonomy. And so what we have to do is, as you say, when we find our inner joy and our bliss, Ironically, when we're not craving it from others, we just have it to share and to just it bubbles out of us. Then we attract into us lots of people that want to experience that joy and love within them as well. So, or share that space with us. It's kind of interesting reverse of what we're sort of being conditioned to think. Yes. And the same with the chasing of money. Mm -hmm. I've never, ever had money come to me if I chased it. (laughs) And I've only done that a couple times when I was really young and I was listening to everybody else. You need to go do this and, you know, earn this and have that. And everything always flowed to me uh, from a place of service, um, from a heart space. When I was in business, I I, um, ran gift stores, but I helped over a couple hundred kids um, with an at-risk youth program go through my training program at my store. So it had a heart. I I don't know my store. It wasn't about selling things. It was about helping these kids and the community felt it. And they blessed me with, you know, being able to pay for other stores and buildings and this and that, but it was because it had a different intention than just to chase money. It was about every single, my, when I trained everybody that worked for me, the the main thing was everybody that walks through the door is going to be treated like their family. And we'd have clients that maybe they, they only spend $5 and they would come and have tea. We'd give free tea and they would talk and they would, and, and the young adults that were in the program, they would listen. And it was like this beautiful situation that would happen. And they would come every week and they were our best clients and they were family. And I'd be invited to weddings and, and it was, it was an extension of who I was being. And, and these kids now have their own businesses years and years later. And so no matter what you're doing, or maybe you're this year, Maybe you've had to go do some work that feels like work. Think about how can you share something that you do, a talent giving back. 
Because when you're able to do that, it's like the blessings show up in one way or another. Those kids were my best teachers mm. also. So, Yeah, that's beautiful. It's an interesting time we're going through on the planet. 2021 is going to be a year which shakes up a lot of old redundant patterns, old irrelevant uh, systems that we've been operating by. And one of the ones that's going to come through is exactly what you're talking about. We're, as we start to become more conscious, more connected, because as a result of losing our individualized egoic structure, we become more of a connected field and a network. And as we move into that space of being more connected and more of a network, we start to, by default, feel more compelled to support the extension of us, which is the extensive network and outer connection. And so we're going to find these impulses to be more philanthropic, to somehow include something beyond your own personal needs. And uh, I'm finding this with a lot of my clients where they're starting to just naturally feel, how can I support the extended community through my work? And we're going to see this starting to come through more and more. And this is what will happen eventually. Uh, some big friends of mine are, are designing new economic systems for the planet that are based on win-win models where how can we look at an economic system that supports the whole, where it's not like, you know, 0.01% of the world's elite have 95% of the world's wealth. It's like there's enough wealth on this planet for everyone to live very comfortably with fresh running water, free meals a day, education, healthcare. There's no question about it. We have that available to us collectively on the planet. Um, so we'll start to find there's a lot more, more even distribution, hopefully going forward. Uh, let's just see if that happens. We'll see. Yes. And I think that one of the gifts of helping other people, whether that's right now, if you're on lockdown again in the U.S., we have a lot of states that are actually going back to stay at home orders. <laughs> and so that's always interesting. And so reach out to family, friends, loved ones somehow in the community. Uh, I always share about 211 in the U.S. and Canada. That's a a resource that's free. Every state has it. And you can Google 211 in your state or um, province in Canada. And there's all kinds of like mental health help and help with jobs or meals, getting food on the table if maybe you've lost a job or something. And so help when you're helping someone else, it's kind of hard to stay depressed. If you're in mm. your heart space, you can't be in your head space. Yeah, true. It's, it's kind of impossible. So that and you know, even if you're looking for work, when you show up and you volunteer, a lot of times you'll volunteer for people and they'll say, wow, that's who we really need for this or that position. Or I'm going to write a letter of reference because they see your talents and how you're showing up and you have the opportunity to show who you are um, and you're sharing from your heart. So that's Yeah, if, if people uh, wanted to, they could go to my website, tomcrona.com, and I've got a free uh, five-step PDF on finding more purpose in life, finding a, a purposeful life. And one of the things that happened to me was um, I was a, a very narcissistic, egocentric and self-obsessed broker. And then as I started to meditate, you know, that brought a lot of turmoil and suffering in my life, as it does. And as I started to meditate to alleviate these symptoms, I started becoming um, less self-obsessed and more, um, more, um, I guess, more concerned about you know my commitment and my involvement in the world outside of me and that's just something that is a, is a byproduct starts to happen to us 
And um, what I found was is that I had I had greater potential to give, to serve, but only a little bit. I didn't have a lot. I just had a little bit. So what I started to do was I started to I felt compelled to grow trees around my local area. So what I would do is I ordered these trees, these little tiny little shoots. They're called little um, tube stock. Uh-huh. I'd get this tube stock and I'd start planting them into pots. And then as they grow a little bit older, then I'd plant them. Um, it's a little bit naughty, but I'd go and plant them in public spaces um, where they and now there's these massive trees that are growing all around my suburb that I planted many years ago. But that was the early stages of me feeling a little bit compelled to do something good in the world. And that was the extent of my capacity. It wasn't a lot, but it was just a little bit to start giving back. But as I increased my sense of, I've got a little bit more to give. So then I started working in a soup kitchen on Saturday mornings and just literally working behind a counter serving coffee and tea to homeless people. And, you know, have chit chats every now and then with them, but most of the time I was just serving coffee. And I'd do that for the full day on Saturday. And I did that for a, for a year while I was a broker. And it was just like having this a little bit more to give. And that was the extent that I could give at that particular point in time. I didn't really feel like I had much more in my tank to offer. Right. But as my tank filled up more and more, I noticed I had more to give. So then I started to do my teacher training and started to teach. And I did that part-time while I was a broker. And so slowly we're increasing our capacity to give and to serve and to, to start to look at the, the outer world and see what we can contribute there. And then eventually I left finance and run retreats and coaching programs and have the film out. So yeah. don't feel like if someone's doing this here that you should be doing it as well. You know, everyone's got their own degree of capability that's going to be right for them. And if you're feeling an impulse, and if you're not even feeling an impulse, then that's cool as well. If it's just arising within you that you want to serve, you want to give, you've got something that you feel like you want to contribute, then start filling into what areas that you'd like to do that through, what avenues you'd like to, you know, for me, I love plants, I love trees. That was my first starting point. Then I loved working with the street kids and the homeless. And so working in the soup kitchen was a natural progression. Um, these days I love working with, you know, entrepreneurs. So I do a coaching program for entrepreneurs and coaches and, and conscious leaders in the world. Um, so you'll find this evolves and adapts. You don't need to be rigidly attached to this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. It's just could be just an initial starting point that starts to evolve and grow over time. Yes, yes. And so uh, where where I'm not sure where you are in the world right now. Mm-hmm. But are you able to do retreats or... Yeah, we are. You know, we're very blessed um, in Australia. We uh, made some very big decisions and some strong decisions early on. And um, fortunately, because of that, we have very limited cases of, I don't think we've had a a COVID death in Australia for probably four months now. Uh Um, We have something like, I think, 100 cases of the the virus in the state that I'm in. Um, But there's very few around. Some states have no cases of the virus at all. And... um, I'm not exactly sure why that's the case compared to places like England or America. I think partly because the decisions we made, you know, we had some tough decisions that really kept it contained. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have a very strict quarantine policy when people come into the country, which I think contains it. But where I'm at in this state, um, New South Wales, uh, I'm in a small town today uh, that I drove to a couple of days ago where it's a very conscious community here called Byron Bay, and I'll be running a retreat. So we can have, I think, up to 20, 25 people on our retreats. Oh. And and that's we maxed out at that with this one. So yeah, I'll be running retreat for the next few days, which is starting very soon. I'm going to head over to the venue in a minute. <laughs> oh, how beautiful! Wow, that's <laughs> wonderful. So pretty soon the world will open up for us all again, and um, we'll have more retreats. And until then, I'd I'd love for you to share 
um, how people can connect with you, how they can, when is your film coming out? Um, when can they see that and, and how they can connect with your programs, your meditation programs and. Yeah, great. Thank you for that opportunity. Um, there's two places they can go. One is to tomcronin.com, uh, my website where they'll see all of the, uh, the things that are possible, uh, to do with working with me, which is meditation courses, retreats, coaching programs. And they can also go to the film website, which is enter the portal, uh, E-N-T-E-R, enter the portal. And the film will be launching digitally around February. And it's a really exciting time. We're inviting everyone to become a partner of ours, to work with us collab- collaboratively and collectively, where um, they'll be able to register as a partner on the website. And when they register as a partner, they'll get a unique link, which will enable them to share the website and the trailer and the film. And if people rent the film through that link of theirs that we generate, then they'll be sharing 50% in the profits or the revenue stream, I should say, not even the profits, the revenue, 50% in the revenue of, uh, of that rental. So it allows them to not only inspire people and help support people by sharing a beautiful film about transformation and moving through crisis, but also it allows them to be in a win-win model with us as the creators of the project where we, uh, we share the revenue with them as well. That's wonderful. All right. Well, thank you again for being a special guest on the show, Tom. And we will share that this again um, on the station when your film comes out so that people can again connect and share that link for your film as well. All right. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Hey, this is Sheila Mack, and this is the Sheila Mack Show on NBC's KCAA Radio, the station that leaves no listener behind. And today we were talking about the benefits of meditation and a good solid meditation practice that can be as short as you'd like, even 10 or 20 minutes a day. So I looked up some of the benefits of meditation based on science, and here is just a short list I wanted to share with you. Science-based benefits of meditation. It reduces stress. Stress reduction is one of the most common reasons people start a meditation practice. Meditation helps alleviate anxiety and depression. Meditation also has been shown to promote better overall emotional health and a sense of well-being. Meditation has been shown to enhance self-awareness. Meditation may reduce age-related memory loss. That is a good thing. And meditation generates elevated awareness and the ability to be in a state of peace and kind actions. And also, meditation helps people overcome addictions. And I have interviewed quite a few people on the show who have overcome addictions. And many of them have actually said that they started a meditation practice as part of their healing journey Um, overcoming the addiction and it really made a difference for them and that also goes for many clients that I've worked with in my new book bootstraps and bra straps the formula to go from rock bottom back into action in any situation I also have an entire 
chapter dedicated to overcoming addictions and also another one on self-care and spirituality where I get more into how meditation, prayer and meditation, whichever you choose or however you choose to have this special gift of time each day can truly heal you and help you as you are overcoming a tough situation, whether that be an addiction or if you are getting out of a, a difficult situation, maybe leaving an abusive situation, uh, going through a divorce, whatever it is that you might be dealing with right now when you feel overwhelmed, just with 2021 starting out and we're getting back on track and still in some parts of the world dealing with the the pandemic virus that is hopefully going to and soon I am looking forward to the day when Corona is just a beer again. <laughs> but until then, meditation is, is a really helpful way to get through these very interesting times. So I also have a picture here of Kobe Bryant and one of his statements. He said that it's meditation. The first thing I do when I get up that I find that to be the best way to start the day and what a beautiful incredible soul Kobe was and his his legacy and memory lives on and his beautiful daughter as well and so there are so many people who practice hard train hard work long hours and they have used this meditation as a time to heal to reboot and to actually be able to give a hundred percent to the rest of their day uh, so there's many studies about this I, I hope you check out some of Tom's programs on meditation and I also have a free gift for you if you go to sheilamack.com slash boots b-o-o-t-s meditation i will send you a free gift which is a short meditation to get you started on your meditation journey or to add to your prayer and meditation practice that you already do and now I'd like to share with you a short Dear Sheila that came in that talks a little bit more about meditation. Take a listen. I keep attracting the wrong person. How to attract a healthy relationship. Dear Sheila, after years of struggling to finally get out of a very controlling and abusive relationship, I finally started dating again. The problem is that I keep dating the same type of man. The face changes, yet the characteristics remain the same. My friends always want to introduce me to this person or that, yet I tend to not be at all attracted to who they are sending my way. Then I find someone on my own, and it's Mr. Wrong all over again. My question is, what am I doing wrong, and how can I attract a healthy lover into my life? Signed, Lonely Heart. Dear Lonely Heart, this is definitely the time for rebooting and reinventing your relationship standards. Often in the case of love, when one attracts an unhealthy relationship, it has a lot to do with what they experienced as love from the past. 
The good news is that with self-love and awareness, the attraction begins to move toward healthy love and relationships overall. Let's run this situation through the Boots formula. Throughout life, one can find themselves facing a difficult situation that often catches them by surprise. Over the years, I saw the patterns in all the times I've had to reboot and in how I've helped my friends and clients get through a hard time and quickly back into action. Ultimately, I came up with the Boots formula. The B in the Boots formula is for being. It is about who you are being and all you are doing and who you need to be during this situation. You are going to have to be authentic and create love standards based on your needs. Write out a perfect day where you have that new love. Who are you being in this vision? What type of activities do you do together and apart? How do you show up differently? Being honest about what you really want in a partner, not what society wants, your family or friends. The first O in the Boots formula is for orientation. In order to get the outcomes you desire, you must be honest here. How often do you practice self-love? A healthy and healed individual attracts a healthy partner. Do you date people that you already know are not aligned? Where are you now with the other relationships in your life? Your friends, family, co-workers? Does your current peer group match your core values, essence, and vision? The next O in the boot formula is for order of operations. Now that you know who you need to be and your orientation, you can decide in which order you must do things. Step away from any relationships that no longer feel right or aligned. Practice saying yes to what you love to do and no to invitations to events that do not fuel your soul. This is a practice for setting boundaries and a new standard to attract the healthy relationships you deserve and desire. In the long run, the order in which you do things is really going to drive your results. The T in the Boots formula is for thinking. This is where your mindset comes in. Stop waiting for a new relationship to show up before you are happier. Choose to live in a grateful and happy state now and in each step in the process. Be proud of yourself for stepping away from what was not aligned. And remember that a genuine smile is one of the most attractive things a person can wear. You will find as you choose your happiness now and express your truth and essence, the person who you are seeking will find you. You will also notice that you are no longer attracted to or attracting people that do not align. The S in the Boots formula is for stepping up. This is the part that puts all the pieces together and now you step into action. The time is now for us to collectively work together to rebuild this year. My hope is that this video series and my new book, Bootstraps and Bra Straps, helps. And here is another quote on meditation from Dr. Wayne Dyer, now a beautiful, incredible spiritual being, still giving us messages to this day and here's his message one of his quotes is the practice of meditation takes us on fabulous journeys into the gap between our thoughts where all the advantages of a peaceful stress-free healthier fatigue-free life are available but are simply the side benefits dear sheila i struggle with really bad panic attacks sometimes it gets so bad 
that it gets triggered at work and I will have to leave because I can't stop crying. I can't live like this anymore. I'm thinking about trying medication because I want to get in control of my thoughts and my breathing. Because I've heard that meditation helps with anxiety. What do you think about that? What advice can you give me about meditation versus medication? And what techniques work best to conquer anxiety? Signed, Struggling to Breathe. Dear Struggling to Breathe, Panic attacks are some severe issues. Now, meditation is a huge help. However, I would definitely start with checking in with my doctor. And the reason I say that is because sometimes panic attacks can be a symptom of something else going on physically. So I would suggest that you go to your doctor, have them do a regular physical exam, and let them know what's going on. Was there something that triggered these attacks? Was there something that happened in your life? Did you hit a rock bottom event that you started to notice these panic attacks? Sometimes it could be that your vitamin D levels are severely low or some other thing could be terribly off. It could be a medication that you're taking that's interacting with some other thing you're taking or a food you're eating and it's causing you to feel like you're having panic attacks. It could be hormones that are off. And so just rule those things out first. You can start meditation right away. Doesn't mean you have to wait for the doctor to start meditation because meditation is something you could do at any time in your life. Could have been an auto accident, it could have been um, losing a loved one. Anything can cause panic attacks. And it could be that it reminded you of something that happened when you were really young and then one little thing brings all that back and then you start having these severe panic attacks. And once you have a panic attack, it, it makes you have physical symptoms. And so learning how to breathe when you meditate. When we meditate, we're learning how to slow ourselves down, how to breathe, and how to like let go of the outside thoughts and, and go into a place where we can just calm ourselves. So we're training our body and we're retraining our brain to, to think differently and, and get control of our thoughts because that's a way to get control of these panic attacks. And there has been study after study that shows that meditation will help you overcome these panic attacks. So between your medical doctor, perhaps some therapy or other resources, depending on what was your trigger, and good meditation practice, you can overcome this, these panic attacks quickly and get back on track. I hope this helps. As always, I wish you life, love, laughter, and light. Thank you for listening to Dear Sheila, answering real questions with real solutions to reboot your life. If you have a burning question, submit your question now to www.dearsheila.com. www.dearsheila.com. My latest book, I have to let you know something just between you and me. This book is not one size fits all, just like a pair of boots or a bra. So the formula is designed to help you through any situation. With that, I do have some homework for you. Go ahead and grab a copy 
of my new best-selling book, Bootstraps and Bra Straps, The Formula to Go from Rock Bottom Back into Action in Any Situation. It is now available on Audible, Amazon, and Kindle, as well as at www.sheilamack.com and get your free Boots Meditation gift for the holiday season at sheilamack.com slash Boots Meditation. Thanks for listening.